Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. John, the seventh chapter. Find verse 37 if you're able. Thank you, worship team. I'm going to read verse 37, 38, and 39, and then we'll go to John 8, 12. We'll pray, and I will preach a message to you that's going to encourage you. If you need encouragement, you've come to the right place. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you've been through, but I know this, that God's able to help you no matter where you are, no matter what station of life, no matter what challenge you're facing, no matter what giant is before you, what mountain needs to be moved. God is a mountain-moving God, and in his presence, the mountains milk like milk, melt like wax. John 7. I don't know what mountain milk would be. Anyway, John 7, verse 37, if you're all there, say amen. Amen. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Go to John 8. It's the next chapter. It's right before John 9. And go to verse 12. Then Jesus spoke again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. Move in power in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Feast of Tabernacles. If you go and you look at this text, now we are in a series called Compelled by Love, and I could with some sort of... uh, you know, creative communication ways, sow this message into that series, but really it's a, it's a message all on its own in an, in an isolated way, uh, given the time of year that we're at. The Feast of Tabernacles began as sunset on Friday, and it goes this whole week. So we find ourselves here on Sunday in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you'd go to Deuteronomy uh, 16... So when Jesus shares this about if anyone is thirsty, Deuteronomy 16, when he shares that, it is the Feast of Tabernacles that he's at, the the last day of the great feast. It lasted for a number of days. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Thank you for praying for us while we were gone. God moved in remarkable ways as we preached at our church in Branson, Missouri, and saw our uh, church building and property of 19 acres there in, ah, gosh, where is it? Ozark. How many of you know where Ozark is? All right, it's in Ozark, and uh, it's about, I don't know, maybe 25 miles from Branson, in between Branson and Springfield, and went and visited that place. They're, they're, They're growing. It's one of our newer church plants, four months old. Went to Gary Brothers, Pastor Gary Brothers Church there, and had a move of God. 
it was uh, very refreshing to be there. Thank you for praying. I know because many of you prayed is why God moved. I'm not ignorant of that. Deuteronomy 16, go to verse 16. And this is the text that Dr. Morocco was talking about. Three times a year, all the males will appeal before the Lord, appear before the Lord God in the place he chooses, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. Shall not appear for, before me empty-handed. Verse 17, every man shall give as he's able. And so they were supposed to come and bring an offering and celebrate what God had done. In the Feast of, now all of these feasts, are fulfilled in Christ. You need to understand that. So we're not just we're not preaching some Old Testament law that doesn't tie into the New Testament reality of Christ. We're, the feasts were types and shadows of the greater things to come, and the and the greater things to come, the greater one to come was Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so it's called the Feast of Ingathering. It was a time of celebration, according to Exodus twenty three sixteen. Jews in Exodus, uh, pardon me, Deuteronomy 16, 15, says that they're supposed to be happy about it. I'm going to run that through one more time. It says that when you come, you're supposed to be filled with joy. You know, so oftentimes we meet people who say they love Jesus, but they're miserable. They look like baptized in lemon juice. I mean, for God's sake, you're going to hell. Why don't you snap out of it? Whatever difficulty you're going through. Now, I know there's grieving, and I know there's mourning. I'm not saying that. Just overall joy. My mama taught me this. She'll be in the second service. Joy is the flag that flies in the heart of those who have Jesus enthroned. Somebody said, no, it's hard to be a Christian. No, that's not what my Bible says. The Bible says hard is the way of the transgressor. Hard is the way of the sinner. The Christian life, well, yeah, you're going to go through stuff. Come on. But, but you ought to have joy in the midst of it all. Joy. And it says that you're some, it's a command. Wow, Deuteronomy 15, 16. Seven days you shall keep the sacred fast to the Lord your God at the place of the Lord he chooses. Behold, the Lord your God will bless you and all your produce and all the works of your hands, so you shall surely rejoice. It's a feast where they have a party. Some of you used to like parties and now you just gave it up. You're supposed to, Christianity still parties. It's just different. I remember um, brother in the church invited us over for the Super Bowl a number of years ago. And we were there and watching the Super Bowl. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know who won. I don't remember any of that. I only remember one thing from that day. And it was the, that, that precious man who's still a part of our church, a leader now. He says, man, I've, I've never had a Super Bowl Sunday where we didn't get drunk. This is awesome. The Feast of Tabernacles symbolized a promise. And as I said, they live in these booths. They, 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 the Feast of Tabernacles is also a picture of a, the, the removing of all debt was tied to the Feast of Tabernacles. So every seven years, you'd wipe out debt. I think we might get some of our laws from that. It's a cancellation of slavery, a cancellation of, of, of bondage. Slaves would be set free. And, and Zechariah 14 talks about the Feast of Tabernacles being celebrated in the millennial reign. It's the only feast celebrated in the millennial reign. Zechariah 14, 16 and following. So as you look at these, these texts, now we didn't read all of Deuteronomy because some of you wouldn't be able to handle that, nor do we need to. But Deuteronomy 16, it's, it's about coming before the Lord, giving an offering. It's a time of celebration. 
And then the main text that I want to talk about because it's so profound, and I've taught on this before, but it, it literally, t- I mean, I've been saved for a while. I mean, I, I gave my heart to Jesus like 91, 92. So that's a little while. Some of you weren't born yet. And I know some of you, some of you served the Lord way longer than that, and God bless you, that's awesome. I never heard what I'm preaching to you until probably 10 years ago. And maybe that's what was due to my lack of study, but I began to put these things together. And Jesus in John 7, 37 to 39, is at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. That's where he is. Come on, go, go back to John. Let me teach you here a little bit, and I might fire myself up and get to preaching two very different things. I heard one man say preaching, pardon me, teaching builds a skeleton. Preaching puts flesh and breath on it. John 7, 37 to 39, he says, what what does he say there? He says, on the last day of the great feast, verse 37, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. See, what, what most people don't realize is that during the Feast of Tabernacles, there is this thing called the water offering, where a priest would take a gold pitcher and fill it with water and go down to the pool of Siloam, which they just discovered some five years ago or so, and while going down would quote Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. Do you know what Isaiah 12, verse 3 says? Probably not, so I'll read it for you. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from wells of salvation. They quote, they take this water and they, they, they walk down to the pool of Siloam and, from, and, they, and they draw water and it's a water offering. They scoop it up from the pool of Siloam, the priests, and they quote Isaiah 12. So when Jesus says, if anyone thirsts on him, come unto me, what he's doing is he's redefining the water offering. And that's, that's kind of profound. And uh, some think that uh, this David spoke about this, where he thirsts for a, a, a drink from the well of Bethlehem. Jesus chose, pardon me, Jesus calls all those who are thirsty to come and drink from him. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. I know this, he alone can satisfy. The, the, very, the very word for soul is nefesh in the Greek uh, pardon me, in the Hebrew. And nefesh means thirsty, amongst other things. See, you're thirsty. All of us are thirsty for God. We're, we're, we long for, you know, sin never satisfies. In the end, it reaps its reward of death. Wages of sin is death. But God is the one that satisfies. Jesus is the only one that satisfies. And he promises that those who believe in him, out of their belly out will flow rivers of living water, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. John 4, talking to the woman at the well, says, if you knew, you know, who who asked you for a drink, he he basically tells her, look, whoever comes and drinks from me is never going to thirst again. And she's like, oh, man, I'm sick of coming to this well, and all these people make fun of me. That's why I come during the day, because I slept with all their husbands. Can you just give me some? That's John 4. Some people think it refers to Ezekiel 47, and I certainly think it could tie in about the river that flows from the temple, the river that flows from the house of God. And the further it gets away from the house of God, 
is the broader and wider and deeper that it is. And really, that's a picture that if I can give you a New Testament application, the power of the Holy Spirit should work inside the house also. Here, this being called a house should be inside the church, should be in life groups too. Truth is, the further you get away from the house, the bigger and deeper I think your gifts should be. Somebody said this to me, if your gifts only work on Sunday morning, I am very concerned whether you actually have any gifts. I didn't say that, so if you get offended, that's not me. I didn't say it. I'm just quoting it. If your gifts only work on Sunday, I wonder about your gifts is what they said because the gifts are supposed to be in the house, in your house, and all over the community. My goodness. In 1 Corinthians 10.4, would you turn there? This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth. He says, the drink, the same spiritual drink that they drank from verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 10. From the spiritual rock that accompanied that rock was Christ. So some even believe that this is what he's referring to also. Paul. And then in John 12, Jesus defines himself as light. The light of the world or the light of life. Now this is amazing because also on this Feast of Tabernacles, they had these 75-foot candelabras. How many of you know what candelabra is? It's like a menorah. 75 feet, that's like 30 feet higher. Have you been past our building? If you've driven in Wasilla at any time recently, you've probably gone past our building, across from Walmart, up from Sears. It's 30 plus feet higher than our building. Is that, is that about right? 75 feet high. So can you imagine, 75, that's big. Somebody say that's big. And they would light these things and literally the light, it was, it was filled with oil and the light from these candelabras, some say would light the entire city. And so when Jesus says in John, John 8, he's basically saying, yeah, you see this? I am actually the light of the world. And I don't think that they understood what he was saying, but I think later on they certainly did. Light is tied to God. Light is tied to God. I don't know if you've ever been through an intense battle, demonic battle, or been in bondage and heard voices and seen shadows. If you've ever been through that, you'll notice that there's a darkness that's about that. That's, and, and, and people have described onslaught as if the light sort of dimmed and something went out. But then when God shows up, it talks about God being inapproachable light in Scripture. God is light. God is love. And he says, I'm the light of the world. Isaiah 60, verse 19. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor the brightness of the moon will shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. In John 1 and 1, it talks about him being the light of life. Verse 9, John 1 and 9. The true light that gives light to everyone who's coming into the world. John 1, 1 John, pardon me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is a message that you've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. I want you to say that. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Jesus is light, revealing God to all mankind of what God is actually like. The fullness of him, says Galatians, 
deity dwelled in him fully. This Feast of Tabernacles, if we could just bring some application to it, which goes basically throughout the rest of this week, is a time where we're to celebrate what God has done. Is Has anybody grateful for where God brought you from? You used to be in Egypt. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrates that he provided for them in the wilderness. You used to be in Egypt. You used to be jacked up. I know you still have issues right now, but think about where you used to be. And it's a picture that God will provide for you. It's also a picture of vision. As Dr. Morocco said, many are calling, many across kings are calling this vision Sunday. I think every Sunday's vision Sunday, but specifically, God brought them through the wilderness. Why? What was he bringing them through the wilderness for? He was bringing them through the wilderness to bring them into what? Into the promised land. By the way, I did a little bit of traveling, as I said, over the past 10 days. I wanted to kiss the ground when I came back to this amazing state. Amazing. It's an amazing state. Alaska. But there's a lot of liberal nonsense that's happening here, too. You need to vote. Where's Pastor Karen? I'm fixing to get myself in trouble right now. She keeps me on the beam along with the Holy Spirit. Anchorage needs a move of God. Fairbanks needs a move of God. There's some new laws being passed in Fairbanks that are you won't even wouldn't even believe it. Juno. Juno needs a move of God. Wasilla needs a move of God. Every listen, it's not just Alaska, it's every state. People are running out of California in droves. And there's many that are running here. It's like a modern-day gold rush. People are moving up here. Why? Because they, they, they're sick of the lower 48. But the truth is, if we don't have a great revival in Alaska, you're going to be just like California in 10 years. Let me run that through one more time. Some of you didn't like that so much, but I'm just telling you. If we don't have a move of God and really impact our culture, which, which I've given my life to, I've, I've, I'm sowing my life, my whole life, I'm sowing into Alaska and other places too. Why are you doing that? Because God called me to. You know, I've noticed this about pastors. I was talking to some guys. They're like, yeah, I pastored there for three years, and I was over there for two, and then I was over there for three. And I just said, well, wow. He said, well, how long have you been where you're? And I said, well, almost 14. He said, whew, that's a while. And you know what I realized? I heard the Lord say, it really takes someone sowing their whole life to change a region. You can't change a region in two years. He said, well, that's not true. Look at Brownsville. Okay, go ahead and look at Brownsville. They had revival for five years or whatever it was, six or six years. I don't know. Maybe it was seven. Let's be generous. I think it was seven. Go, go to Brownsville right now. There, there's, there's, there is crime and it's destitute. I mean, it is hurting. It is broken. You have a lot of buildings and the remnants of what took place in revival. There's no revival now. And, and I heard the inside story on some of that. What are you saying? I'm telling you we're here to be a city on the hill. We're here to be a light. And we're to celebrate what God has done in this season. Come on, think about what he's done for us as a church. I got here, there was 20 to 30 people, and many of you have put your shoulder to it. You're giving, you're believing, you're praying. Come on, God saved some of you all here for the first time. I know some of you came from other places, thank God. God, you all belong to him. He's a great shepherd and he moves sheep around. Hallelujah, that's okay. God calls you to leave and go somewhere else. We'll bless you. This is not about controlling anybody. It's about bringing the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. So this Feast of Tabernacles 
this Feast of Tabernacles. That was a little commercial in the midst of, you know, you can listen to messages uh, online anytime you like. The Feast of Tabernacles is a time where you celebrate what God's done. He brought you out of Egypt. You celebrate the fact that he's given you vision. You celebrate the fact that he's provided for you, and you acknowledge that. It's like a, come on, how many of you enjoy Christmas? Okay, he, Jesus was not born at Christmas, and Christmas trees are basically a pagan picture until you redeem them. I've redeemed the Christmas tree myself. You want to call it a Hanukkah bush, you can do whatever you want. It's a picture. <laughs> Let's hang some ornaments on the Hanukkah bush. It's a picture evergreen, is slain, and it's re-erected picture of resurrection. I, listen, I don't sing O Tannenbaum. We ain't ever going to sing it here. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, no. He who hung on a tree is cursed. That's what we're celebrating. But how many of you know that's not when that happened? Okay. Somebody said it's pagan holiday. I've redeemed it. And Easter is not about the bunny. It's not about eggs. It's about resurrection. Okay. All right. So you you just understand that this time of celebration in the, in the calendar of God is a time where you thank God that he brought you out of Egypt. And if you haven't been brought out of Egypt, you know what I mean by Egypt? I mean bondage. He brought you out of the house of bondage. Egypt is also called that. It's a time where you celebrate that over this, just, this, this next week. Would you just thank him? Won't you thank him right now? That he provided for you? That you didn't drop dead in your wilderness experience? And if you're in the wilderness, he's going to bring you through. I said he's going to bring you through. Come on, say he's going to bring me. He's going to bring me through. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I, I've been in the valley of the shadow of death. At least it felt like it. Don't pitch a tent there. Keep going. It's a time of thanksgiving. It's a time of breaking off a spirit of poverty. It's a time when the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, that the Holy Spirit is transforming and empowering us. Transforming and empowering us. He will change you. There's a book called Just Like Jesus. Oh, the author. Max Lucado. Have you ever heard of Max Lucado? Max, you've heard me quote this before, but it's, it says, Max Lucado says, God, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way and wants to make you just like Jesus. So the Feast of Tabernacles is, is a time of remembrance of where he's brought you from. And listen, if, you're, if you are in Egypt today, if you're in bondage today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that would be Egypt. That would be bondage. Your sins remain and you're separated from God. But the light of the world, the, the one who satisfies, the one who satisfies the very nefesh of our soul, our, our thirst, will heal us and transform us. I was talking to my brother. I don't see him. He's out here somewhere. I asked him, and I shared this recently because it's just a shocker to me. 
You know how when you, you meet somebody, you, or rather you haven't seen them in 20 years, you know, and you're like, yeah, I imagine it would kind of turn out like that. Yeah, kind of, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So I was asking my brother, I said, because we were, we were inseparable when we grew up. And then, then the enemy moved in and life went on and we hadn't been super close. There wasn't a rift between us, just the devil just tried to keep us separated. He's been defeated and I'm so blessed to have my brother here. So I asked him, I said, hey, you know, when we were growing up and stuff, now that, you, you know, now that I'm, you know, 50 something, did I, does it seem like I ended up like you thought I would? He says, oh no, 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 you were so unsure of yourself. You couldn't, you couldn't talk. You were insecure, you hanging your head down. I'm like, no way. He says, yeah, you're totally different. Can't believe it, amazing. I thought, oh God, that's God, that's God. I said, that's God. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but he can transform you. He can change you. He's done it for me. He's done it for countless others. How do you do that? You got to receive Jesus. He's, he's the reason, he's the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. Redefines the water offering and declares that these candelabras, it's like this giant, it's a giant illustrated sermon. And, and the one who fulfilled it all was standing in their midst in John 7. And he says, if anyone thirsts, come unto me. I'm, I'm the light of the world, John 8. Are you thirsty today? Do you need light in your life? All across this place, those online, you see, that's me. Thank you. That's why we're here. We're here to be a city on the hill. We're here to be like John the Baptist, a burning, shining lamp. We're here to be the, the voice of one even crying in the wilderness to make straight make a prepare a way for the Lord. He's going to come back. He's returning. And he's bringing together a generations. He's bringing together generations to work together to see the light of the glory of God shine in the midst of a crooked and a depraved generation that those that know their God will do great exploits. I'm telling you, God is raising up a people and he's inviting you through my voice today to be a part of it. We need you. God has need of you. Before you get all prideful, he said that about a donkey, so. Come on, someone say, God has need of me. Because some of you can't say it because there's so much shame, so much blame. I've messed up most things. Don't, don't worry, he loves you just the way you are. And he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You see, that's me, Pastor. I want to get right with God. Wonderful. I'm going to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or number two, you, you want to recommit because you're not as on fire. You drifted. You've got compromise. You want to, you want to come home. Number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place. Come on, just bow your head. Examine your heart. You say, that's me. All right, then. Get right with God. The only way you can do that is receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the only way. 
He's the only one that can satisfy. He's the only one that can bring light to your situation. He's the only one that can break off the depression that's on your heart. See, that's me. Pray this prayer all across the house, those online. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. And then we'll close. Holy Spirit, touch now. Each and every one, let your power come now. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be free, be delivered. Be filled. And out of your belly, out of your innermost being, will flow rivers of living water to a dark, hurting, desperately thirsty world. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the multi-generational God using everyone in this place that's breathing. You have need of us. You've called us out of darkness into your wonderful, marvelous light. And we say yes, and we celebrate what you've done. Come on, won't you give God praise all across the place? Come on, won't you give him a give him a hand clap of praise? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.